Vibe Talks. Vibe Talks. More than just music. This is Zachary Camp for Vibe News. I recently had the chance to speak with Toronto Star reporter Desmond Cole about the James Frasillo trial and the Toronto Police Service's acquisition of 50 high-powered assault rifles. Here's what Desmond Cole had to say. I don't believe that giving the police more weapons is going to make the population safer. In fact, I think that we should be doing the exact opposite, is that we should be disarming most police officers and moving to a scenario where... Um, you know, things like the emergency task force in Toronto, for example, um, would maybe be the only officers who would be allowed to carry weapons and bring them into very specific situations. Um, one of uh, the policing, so-called policing experts, I guess you could call him, that uh, that was interviewed for that article in the Toronto Star announcing the purchase of those weapons he said that they uh, could serve as a deterrent. And the idea that a loaded gun could be used to deter somebody, to me, is terrifying and says everything about what's wrong with modern policing. Um, talking to someone can be a deterrent. Um, you know, fighting poverty, uh, providing education, giving people food and housing, these can be deterrents to bad outcomes in the future. Uh, When you arm police and say that's the deterrent, you've given up. You've conceded that there is actually no answer and that violence or the threat of violence is the only way to communicate with the population. And I think that's wrong. And your article on December 3rd in the Toronto Star about it's time to disarm the police officers, that was a very strongly written article citing 13 shootings in uh, the Toronto Police Services where nine of those cases, uh, those people were not armed themselves with, uh, with a firearm. And five of those, five of those shooting victims were, were killed. Um, with this track record, why don't we see the Toronto Police using less lethal options? Uh, because no one's demanding that they do. So, I mean, an important context about the article that I wrote is that um, only nine of the 13 cases that I reported on were done being investigated. So the other four were not sure about all of the circumstances yet. It's only because they haven't completed the SIU, the Special Investigations Unit, that investigates when police harm or kill someone or sexually, allegedly sexually assault them. They haven't finished investigating those other four cases. So it may well prove that few or none of the other four people in those circumstances had a weapon either. So that's one thing. Another thing is that, you know, the police, when you give them the authority and the power that we give them, it's eventually going to be abused. And in fact, it's hard not to see how a certain amount of violence always seems to be expected and necessary and justified when you give the police as much authority as we have given them. These aren't accidents, right? It's not just an accident that police end up shooting people, that police end up killing people when they shoot them. And we have to remember that the SIU is only investigating the most serious crimes. So there's a lot of violence that the police perpetrate every day it doesn't fall under the SIU's mandate because the SIU won't investigate something if they don't think an individual was harmed severely enough. So, for example, if an officer punches you in the face, 
but he doesn't break any of your bones or cause severe damage physically to you, uh, that might not be in the SIU's mandate to even investigate. So there's no possible remedy for a person in that situation unless the police themselves decide internally, hey, we're going to look at this and we're going to perhaps pursue some internal discipline of this person. Those internal disciplines are not transparent to the public. We know very little about how they go on. Um, It's not a good source of accountability. So I think what I'm saying is there's all kinds of police violence that doesn't rise to the level of shooting and killing somebody. That's the stuff that makes the news. But we're trying to prevent that from happening. We don't want to have to try and investigate all of these circumstances afterwards and try to figure out what happened. Or in the case of, say, um, James Forsillo shooting and killing Sam team, determining whether or not that was right or justified. Nothing can bring Sam team back to life, including the harshest legal punishment, judicial punishment against the officer who killed him. So... That's what we have to remember. Forcello has recently been found not guilty of murder, and his lawyer is now asking the judge to stay the charge uh, because the officer just followed his training. This is the Nuremberg defense, right? I was just following orders. Mm-hmm. If the judge, if Judge Then, who's presiding over the case, he were to indict Toronto police training, would there be any changes to the police use of force? Um, well, that's an interesting question. First of all, I I don't think um, that there's any chance in the whole world that um, the charges against Forcillo will be stayed. Because even in the very unjust climate that I believe we're living in right now, I don't think that there's a judge in this province who would decide to do that. It, It would cause such an uproar and would immediately put the entire judicial system under such scrutiny, and that judge in particular under such scrutiny. And it's all well and good to say that he's going to try and, um, you know, apply what he thinks is his job as a judge and be fair and come to a fair outcome. And if he thinks a fair outcome is staying the charges, then that's maybe what some people believe he'll do. I don't believe that. Um, He's a human being. He, he knows the climate that he's operating in. He knows that the public would simply never accept such an outcome after believing especially that Forcillo was going to be convicted and sent to jail. That would just be such a reversal that would immediately, I think, cause such uh, upheaval and distrust. So I don't think that that's going to happen. But again, I really challenge this notion that police training says... If you are encountering somebody who is alone on a streetcar, the thing to do is approach them and get close enough to them that you then say, okay, now you have a knife, so I'm threatened. I didn't actually need to approach you because you didn't pose any immediate danger to anyone around you. Um, But now that I've approached you and put myself in that situation, I must shoot you, and I must actually shoot you multiple times. That is not police training. Uh, And if that is police training, then let's get rid of the police, because more people are going to die needlessly. I think that the police are going to try everything that they can do to defend this officer, and I think that that's actually a shame, because if the police were to pack it in and say, you know, this was a mistake, this was not how we train our officers to respond, this was not how we wanted the situation to be resolved, 
and this officer now has to face the consequences for what he did, then we could move on and we could start talking about better outcomes, zero deaths, zero injuries, as the police say is their stated goal. We can't do that, though, because they want to fight this case to the end. They want to make Forsillo out to be less of a kind of... They want to, they, they want to excuse his wrongdoing, mm-hmm. I believe, and they're spending a lot of resources to try and say, oh, it's not as bad as you think. He didn't do anything wrong. He followed his training. There are a lot of police officers who know that that is not actually how the police are trained. And one of them is a fellow named Chris Lewis, who is a former OPP commissioner, and he was on the force for 36 years. He wrote a piece saying that this is actually not how police are trained. And by doing what he did, Forcillo just showed that he was being aggressive and out of control. Mm-hmm. We need to hear that from other police, right? Instead of the stock defense of Forcillo's actions, we need to hear that the police actually are trained to de-escalate, if that is in fact the case. Mm-hmm. We can't allow only those people who would defend anything that the police do to win the day here and have all of the conversation. Um, I think it's very, very important that we don't accept this argument that this is just how police are trained and so that essentially Yetim's death was inevitable. You you touched on something that I wanted to ask you about specifically, which is psychological detention. I know you've spoken about that in the past, and it seems like uh, Frasillo coming into range where somebody has a knife, that is that a form of psychological detention? It's really, really hard to say in the specific instance. I think the issue in that specific instance, for me, is that Sammy Atim is confused. We know that he had ecstasy in his system. We know that he was dealing with a really difficult situation at home. Sounds like he had been um, kicked out of his home. He was having a big fight with his father. In fact, when the streetcar driver who... Um, was driving that night of the incident, when he approached Yatim and tried to speak with him, Yatim asked for his father. He said that he wanted to speak to his dad. It's heartbreaking, you know? Mm-hmm. There was a lot going on for this young man, and it, is, it might be that he wasn't able to cope with it. It's very likely that it being intoxicated, being on drugs in that situation, also impaired his ability to make a good judgment. So was he really able to understand what was going on when the police arrived? I don't know. It's pretty clear that he felt threatened when the police arrived because he was brandishing the knife, swearing at the police, um, refusing to listen to what they were asking him to do. So he obviously felt threatened. I think that what Forcillo did uh, shows, I think, perhaps his own personal bias and recklessness in that situation. He had so many other options, including staying his distance and saying to Yatim, we don't want to hurt you, but we don't want you to hurt yourself or anyone else. And if we have to be here all evening until you decide to, you know, disarm and come out of the streetcar quietly, we'll stay all evening. But we don't want anyone to get hurt. The idea that the only option that he had was to immediately approach the situation that he, the way that he did, to threaten Yatim, verbally threaten him, and escalate the situation. I don't accept that. Really appreciate you having the time to sit down and, and chat with me this morning. 
It's my pleasure, Zach. Thanks for asking. And now back to your vibe, Vibe 105.